Hello and welcome to another English edition of my podcast Helium Talk, das Kunstgespräch. My name is Jörg Heikhaus and for this episode I managed to get hold of artist Ben Venom in his studio in San Francisco. True, I did not travel to California for this, but modern times enable us to reach out across borders and time zones and I'm happy to virtually sit down with amazing talent such as Ben even though he's still on his morning coffee while I consider opening a beer to settle into the evening. Well, I didn't, but still, I could have. So, Ben Venom. That is not just one of the coolest names for an artist, he is also extremely unique in terms of his specific blend of technique and content. Ben is working with textile and a sewing machine, and he creates kills and tapestry that look like stained glass windows made for the Church of Rock. That is, that church that has no religion but loud guitars and a skate ramp. A magazine once called him the king of heavy metal kilting, and I really dig this headline, and yes, if I may speak as a fan, that is what he is to me. Ben Venom has been around for a while in the art world, his first exhibitions dating back to the early 2000s, and he has shown with many highly recognized museums and large international galleries. It is often the case with artists who have a strong name in America that they are not yet as well known in Europe, so if you are listening from, say, Germany, please go check out a few of the links I've put into the show notes of this episode. His work is awesome, and on top of that he is also a super nice person who not just creates art but also teaches it at college and university. Alright, let's get this started. I hope you'll enjoy this one. As always, please let me know your thoughts by sending me an email to hello at heliumtalk.com or get in touch on Instagram or Facebook. And you know you make me a happy man if you subscribe to Helium Talk on iTunes, Spotify or whatever app you use to listen to the world of podcasts. fascination with working with fabrics begin so for me it it began when i was in graduate school i went to graduate school at the san francisco art institute i got my master's in fine art i graduated in um gosh when when did i graduate 2007 <laughs> so many years ago but um during that time while in grad school i was doing some sewing like with fabrics i'd screen print on the fabrics and then i would sew them And that just kind of eventually led into doing more textile-based work. Uh, I saw the the exhibition, uh, the the quilts of G's Bend. Uh, G's Bend is a very rural area in uh, yeah. in in Alabama, in the United States. And I and I'm originally from Georgia, which is very close to Al which is right okay. next to Alabama. So it was kind of something that was reminding me of home a little bit. So I saw the the G's Ben exhibition at the De Young Museum in, in probably around 2006 here in San Francisco. And I just was really inspired by that exhibition. And it kind of made me want to do more textile-based work, which I started doing. And the very, the very first quilt that I made was in 2008. And that was for an exhibition that was, oddly enough, in... Germany. It was in Berlin, Germany. Okay. So the first quote I ever made was for Germany. <laughs> where, where did you show it? What, what was, was it a gallery at, or? Yeah, it was at a gallery. It was at Neuro Titan Gallery in Midtown. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that one. Yeah. So um, that's a legendary place. Yeah. Very, very awesome spot. And yeah. so a bunch of us flew over there for the exhibition. The ex it was a group exhibition that was organized by Kevin Earl Taylor. He's a very good friend of mine. Okay, he yeah. actually he lives here in San Francisco, 
And so a bunch of, mostly it was mostly Americans were in the show. Um, I think one or two Germans were in the show also, but a lot of us flew over there for the opening, which was pretty cool because, so I made this really large quilt, but I folded it up, put it in a small box and then walked onto the plane with it. And then just, you know, walked right in, like <laughs> walk right through customs. They're like, do you have anything to declare? And I was like, no, that's just <laughs> a blanket, <laughs> yeah, it's a blanket, man. <laughs> and so I uh, just walked right through customs, no problem in Berlin. And then, um, yeah, I think it was the largest, I think it was the largest size piece in the show. Okay. Uh, How large so was it? It was roughly like six feet by eight feet, which, uh, apologies. I don't know what that conversion is in the meters, but, um, six it was feet by like eight two feet. by two and a half or so. Yeah. It's pretty, it was a decent yeah. size. Yeah, for for quilt. Yeah, for text. Yeah, yeah, pretty big piece. So, yeah, because I mean, it's like you know, paintings are probably a little bit easier to to grow in size, you know, make bigger right. than no, uh, yeah, exactly. Know, so, yeah, yeah. You also have to plan ahead. Mm -hmm. I think you know, in terms of the final result, more than if you just you know, well, start the, painting. One of the good things about doing textile based work, especially for me, is that when like I ship my work international, I can just like either mm -hmm. roll it up or fold it. And so the shipping charges are usually pretty small versus having to like send a sculpture or even a painting. Cause then you'd have mm -hmm. to like take it off the stretcher bars and then restretch it, which is a pain in the butt. But yeah, you know. I saw that in your, in your exhibition in uh, Mexico, you just recently had a mm -hmm. show in Mexico. Right. And uh, yes. a lot of the kills, so they're just basically just hanging, you know, like, right. I, mean, I don't know, like, like flags a or banners. Yeah. Like yeah, a tapestry, like, yeah. Like a tapestry flag or banner. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, I just returned from Mexico City. God, what is today? Today's Tuesday. <laughs> I think I, <laughs> I got back from uh, just from Mexico just the other day. So I'm still getting reacclimated to the time zone here in California. What's the What's the difference? Though? It's like, it's only like two hours, but yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't. It was a very busy couple of days in Mexico City. Yeah, and so. with a young child, that's you know like the timetables right. change anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's all a big blur, as you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that's when you started. I mean, it's interesting to yeah. know that you've done that in Germany. Did the, did you did you sell it in Germany? Did the, is that still in Germany, and or did you have to take it back? No, that piece that piece didn't sell. I uh, which was kind of in retrospect was a good thing because it was the very first quote that I made, so I still have mm -hmm. it. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, it's for sale. If someone really wanted to to buy it, if it was like a really top tier type of collector, or you know, I have a couple of collectors that have bought a few of my pieces, I would maybe sell it to them. But uh, a, a, a gallery told me many years ago that it sometimes it's good to keep some of yeah. your first, you know, big pieces that you made. Just it's just, you know to have in your own collection in case like a museum would want to have that. So, uh, well, personally, I think it's it's always good if you have from certain phases or you know work right. cycles. If you if you have something that you can keep, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and exactly just store right. it for yourself, I think it's it's very interesting. Also, for yourself, just to to keep on to some things. I mean, personally, of course, you know, running this, being in this, being in this, in these on these two seats, like having a gallery mm -hmm. and uh, and delivering to a market and and building market, and uh, and then on the other hand, uh, being an artist. Um, I know the value of both, you know, sometimes I think it's good to keep 
also keep maybe significant work. Um, maybe maybe that's a retrospective, but I never really think about those things. But I but I really think it's nice after after a couple of years, you know, sort of like in your career when you said 2007, mm-hmm. that's already a long time ago. But maybe you know, so at <laughs> some point you say, yeah, well, maybe at some point you say, oh, I have these these pieces, and I, I'm just 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 showing them because for younger people or people who you know just get to know your work now, it's probably very nice if they have the opportunity to have an exhibition where they actually see this. This development. You know? No, I think that's a very good point that you make, and I haven't. I have obviously I haven't had any kind of retrospective yet. I, I'm hopefully that's something that comes down the road as I get older. But uh, that's true. And when I give when I do artist lectures, I always like to to show my older work as mm-hmm. an example of this is how I started. This is where I'm at now, and it is it is really good for students, especially to see the progression of your work, but also collectors and uh, museum curators, because they want to see how you've progressed. And uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I think you make a very good point there. Yeah. But, you know, so like on the, when, when you were mentioning like the first ones, they're probably different than, than, than the new ones. Is it mostly the, 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 well, the, well, your skills that have gotten better or is it also from the content? Because, you know, you grow, mm-hmm. you, you learn different things, have different experience. Would you say that, 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 that your work itself has changed? I would say both, like the content has changed, uh, but also the, the technical skills have, have definitely changed. When I first started out doing textile based work and more specifically doing quilts, I had I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, even though I have a master's in fine art, that was not in textiles. So I bought a book, a very a very basic book called Quilting Basics 101. It doesn't get any more simpler than that. And I bought that book because it had a lot of photographs. Because when it says like stitch in a ditch or quilt on the bias or or this that doesn't really that that didn't mean anything to me at the time because I wasn't familiar with that with that terminology yeah but um so I I taught myself the terms I taught myself the techniques and so from there I I made a lot of mistakes but that's okay because I think that's part of the art making practice that's part sure. of life I think that's good to embrace the mistakes for me, the only way to kind of move forward is to make mistakes, but learn from those mistakes as you're going along. And that's what I tried to do with my art, uh, especially with my art career. So the very, the, the very first quotes I made from a technical aspect were not very good, you could say, but, mm-hmm. but if you're not, if you're not super familiar with, with quilting and, and sewing, you might not be able to see the mistakes, which is fine. I'm not going to tell yeah. you where they are. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to point them out. No, of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so I, you know, I asked a lot of questions anytime I ran into somebody that, that knew more about sewing than I did. And I just kind of went from there. And then as far as the content and the imagery, it just got a lot more complex as I got more adapt at using the sewing machine, at using the material, at understanding how to do different things, different techniques. So uh, it, it just kind of, hopefully in my mind, it, it's it just kind of gone upwards. Okay, but qu- quilting is, I think, is a very um, is American tradition, right? It's a very yeah, it's an American tradition it's funny because i just you know i just got back from mexico city and they they said the same thing they're like well it's a very american tradition which it is but 
there's other many other countries that have a long history of of doing like rugs or or quilts also it's just kind of a little bit different but i think i think for americans i think i would make the the loose argument some people would probably disagree but i'd make the argument that Amer- it's like American quilts, but then in other countries, like maybe in, maybe in the Middle East, it's more like rugs. Even yeah, though I, I see tapestry, this yeah. It, tapestries, yeah, same, you know, German tapestries, uh, Iranian tapestries, etc., Persian. But you know, I, I I see those things as somewhat similar. But mm-hmm. for America, it's like quilts. <laughs> they, yeah, and it was. I think it was something that uh, you know, basically every household produced, right? It's not it's, right. I mean, I think that's where it, where it, I mean, that's I mean, I don't know anything about quilting really, or <laughs> quilt. But this, from from my knowledge, is I always I always see this, and then you know, so like allow me that image. But if when you start to learn quilting, I, quilting, it's right, right? Yeah, Correct. pronunciation, quilting. Um, so you probably could have also gone to your grandma or no, exactly. you know, sort of. No? Yeah, yeah so, my um, uh, I actually have the the top layer of a quilt that my nana, which is my grandmother, we call it, we mm-hmm. called her my nana, that she had made and she hand sewed it. So at some point, uh, I will probably finish that quilt and maybe okay. and maybe give it to my mom because it was my mom's mom. Okay. So uh, and and then you know my mom, growing up, my mom did a lot of sewing. She she was always like hemming my pants and clothes mm-hmm. and you know my mine and my sisters and then as as my sister and I grew up my sister started quilting also so yeah there is a very long there is a tradition within my family and more recently I found out from another relative that I think it was like a I don't know if it was like a like a great my great grandmother did a lot of quilts so that was really interesting so there is a history a long history of quilting within my family specifically, which uh, I wasn't too much aware of until recently. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's probably. I mean, yeah, I think that's. Uh, and is it is it is it also that the that quil- quilts are being continued? Like you know, somebody starts and then it's going to be you know worked on. Or? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah. like as I was talking about earlier, the quilts of G's Bend. That yeah. uh, very rural community in Alabama, the yeah. way they would the, the way they would do their quilts, and this is not necessarily specific to them, but they would they would start one person would start the quilt like the top layer, and then the whole yeah. the whole community would come together to do the quilt stitch, which is like the final stitch that holds the top layer, the batting, and the bottom layer together. So you know, one person starts it out, and then towards the end of the process, the whole community would come over and help that person finish mm-hmm. it all off. So I thought that was really interesting. So there's always been this tradition of a very community-based type process. Uh, however, with, with the work that I do, I do all the work entirely myself. But my community aspect to it is the people that donate the fabric to my work. So my community is the people that donate their T-shirts, their jeans, the denim, the jacket, okay. the uh, upholstery fabric, whatever, and then I take that, I cut that up, and then turn it into a functional piece of artwork. So, so like, like people give, send you boxes their, of stuff. Yeah, boxes. Yeah, boxes. literally, literally yeah. boxes. I just got a box <laughs> yeah. from the artist. Uh, he goes by Pale Horse. His name okay. is Chris Parks. Um, he is based in Saint Petersburg, Florida. He's a, a graphic designer. 
and he designs a bunch of super cool t-shirts and stuff. He literally just sent me a box of t-shirts that he designed so that I could cut up and use. Uh, Last month, the artist Bone Thrower, who's based in Los Angeles. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's great name. Great name. I know. It's a super cool (laughs) name. He's like the nicest guy. His name's... Yeah, his, his David Cook is his name. Uh, he goes by okay. Bone Thrower. He's a super nice guy. He sent me a box of T-shirts. I cut that up. I cut all those shirts up and made two quilts out of that box of T-shirts from him. And then you know, so it's the the idea and one of the one of the many concepts running through my work is this idea of recycle, upcycle, but also again using fabrics that people donated. So mm-hmm. you know, with that those two quilts that I made from bone throwers t-shirts. So those quilts are not just mine now. They're also his because he uh, provided the foundation uh, for the quilt with the material. And, you know, I posted online and he sees a lot of his t-shirt designs in the quilt and it's, and it's, it's, it's ours, right? It's not just me. It's, it's ours. So it has that history tied to it. It's all of his history that he, had with those t-shirts is now in that quilt which i cool. think is pretty good it's like, i think i got i got some t-shirts here too that we could ah, probably send, send, them, send them to america yeah you know <laughs> in, in 2000 in 2000, 2008 i did a very big exhibition here in hamburg in a huge rundown mm-hmm. almost destroyed space you know that before it was renovated beautiful building and um i had these guys from hamburg um they, they called themselves King Drips and I asked them to do a t-shirt. Uh, and they came up with this tour t-shirt and it, it really was the name of the heavy metal. It's like, looks like a heavy metal t-shirt, you know? Oh, very cool. Gallery. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'll send you that. Yeah. I still got, <laughs> a, I still got a couple of <laughs> left over. Don't so throw, then, yeah, don't throw huh? them away. <laughs> no, no, I can't. They're still here. I mean, I can't throw all these things away. Okay, good, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's, that's good use. Yeah. It was, there was a time when we did more t-shirts uh, recently. There's, you know, so sort of, I don't know, there's no market for it really. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Online is, is very difficult to compete with all the online stores who do cool t-shirts. Uh, and when in, in earlier days when we did that, we sold most of the shirts at the opening. You know, <laughs> so, and that kind of has changed, but, but still, I mean, you know, different times. Um, so, but then you work with the, with the, with the sewing machine, probably a big professional one or. Well, it? It, it's, it's kind of in between. It's, it's not a small little crummy domestic machine, but it's also not some large industrial mas- machine. So it's kind of somewhere in the middle because my studio is in the back of our apartment. My wife and I live in San Francisco in the Haight-Ashbury neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We're literally a block away from the corner of Haight and Ashbury, you know, pretty famous street corner. Uh, especially yeah. here in the United States. So uh, I don't have a whole lot of space. Uh, so my machine's not very large, but it's big enough where I can do make large quilts on it. It's a, a Juki F600. It's a, okay. a, a Japanese machine. And I've had it since, um, see, I bought this machine in 2011. And it's it's so far, it's done me pretty well. Uh, it, it has a small little digital interface. It's totally not digital or anything, but it just has a little dig- digital interface. <laughs> yeah, but well, it's a little display probably that display. makes it digital, right? Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. Japanese. The Japanese are great. Yeah. Uh, what yeah, I always yeah. say is like Japanese and German engineering are the best. So this <laughs> I got Japanese for the machine. So <laughs> yeah, but I like it yeah. very much, and it's 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 done very good for me. Did you ever, because, you know, so like working with this, with fabrics, um, especially when we work in art where 
conservation is always uh, an issue. Do you get the question very often whether how you protect your 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 fabrics against I don't know um, you know destruction, insects, uh, humidity, all these things? Is there? Yeah, that's a very good question. And so everything in my studio is like wrapped up in plastic and then put into like a, a cardboard tube. So it's not it's not in the sun. Mm -hmm. It's wrapped in plastic. It's and so to keep away from any kind of um, you know bugs or insects. Yeah. Luckily here in here in San Francisco, we don't really have a whole lot of. Uh, I mean, we have yeah, yeah. bugs, obviously, but. It's sure. not where it's not as bad as where I grew up in Georgia. Like we have mm -hmm. the bug problem is a little bit more prevalent in Georgia, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, different climate, different climate. That's right. And, uh, a very good friend of mine works at the de Young museum as the, as the main photographer over there. And mm -hmm. he has taken me down into the uh, storage vaults for the artwork. And I got to see how they stored their artwork. Now, obviously there at the de Young museum, it's all climate controlled, I, sure. I don't have the the ability to do that in my apartment, but I do keep this, the sun out of the way and it is in tubes, but you know, it, the climate here in San Francisco is pretty much the same kind of temperature year round. Um, it's roughly yeah. 65 degrees. So it's not, the, the temperature doesn't go from like really hot to really cold throughout the year. Mm -hmm. It's kind of more or less the same year round. So, yeah, and which is good. Buy and have to probably take care of it, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you have a very expensive work, I'd recommend every collector to probably just frame it or so. You know? Right, but you yeah. know, I like to do really large pieces, so those are a little yeah. bit more problematic to frame. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like I, I know the big the people that have bought the bigger pieces, I do yeah. know that they they do take good care of them. Um, they either yeah. they either keep them in a very very safe storage facility or or uh, some other kind of option that they have. Also, air conditioning is much more widespread in the United States than in, uh, in Europe yes, and it Germany. Is. You know? <laughs> so, so that, that also helped. That, you know? is, that is very true. It does get pretty yeah. warm over in Germany in the summertime. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> yeah, we like it that way. I don't know. Air conditioning still have not really, you know, people are still not convinced. I, think. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Yeah, but was it was it when when you when you when you kind of started with this? What, what did, did you paint before or illustrate or yeah. what was your technique when you? Yeah. So I come. So, I, I have a bachelor's of fine arts and that's yeah. degree and that's that comes out of doing drawing, painting, and printmaking primarily uh, screen okay. screen printing. So I did a lot of that even into grad school, and so like my artistic practice comes out of like drawing, painting, and printmaking, which might not sound too similar to textiles, but it's actually pretty similar in the way that I kind of like build up an image. It's a lot of layers. Mm -hmm. And the way that I do my textile work is just a lot of layers. So the kind of the way I approach the image is not too dissimilar from doing a painting or especially doing a print, which is just layer after layer. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, so the so the most so I think the most obvious thing that you see when you when you look at, at your work, of mm -hmm. course, is the influence of you know sort of music, uh, right? Um, and uh, you know, so pop culture and uh, probably skateboarding and absolutely and skateboarding that, in that direction. Yeah. yeah. So you've been a you're still probably skateboarding. I heard San Francisco is a mecca for skateboarders. It because is it's very very dangerous to drive on the streets. <laughs> well, yeah, every, San Francisco is great because you can walk everywhere. It's a very walkable yeah. city. Uh, It kind of much like a lot of parts of cities in Europe, 
yeah. uh, at least especially compared to other part other cities in the United States. Like in Los Angeles, nobody walks yeah, no. in LA. There's even a song, nobody walks in LA because mm-hmm. everyone drives because the city's just so spread out. But San Francisco, we're kind of more of like a tightly knit city. We're on a peninsula, uh, you know, seven miles by seven miles. Yeah. And we're all kind of just built on top of each other. And Thrasher Skateboard Magazine is based here. Uh, and there's just a lot of cool kind of architecture to skate. And it's, it is a good town to skate in. Uh, I, I grew up skateboarding. I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, which was another good town to skate in. And that just kind of carried on into adulthood. Uh, I'm in my, I just turned 41, so I'm not skating as much these days, but uh, <laughs> you know, I still yeah, try well, to push I mean, around a little bit. So right. were you scared to break your hand and, uh, I'm and just, not be able to work or, well, it's, it's that, but it's also, I don't really have a whole lot of time now. You know, mm-hmm. there is no leisure time when you're a parent, especially when you're a new parent and yeah. trying to have an art career. I also have a part-time job, so, okay. you know, it's time is very important, yeah. but, um, yeah. I did go skate. I was down in Los Angeles about two months ago and my, my buddy and I did go skate a little bit, which was really cool because mm-hmm. everyone else that was out skating was our age. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, but I mean, that's uh, probably the generation when it started. I mean, totally. I'm, uh, I'm 10 years older than you. I remember that skateboarding came to Germany a little bit too late for me, mm-hmm. basically, you know, we're already, uh, uh, you know, sort of driving cars and doing the other other stuff so it wasn't like a part of my my upbringing as a, as a, as, a, as a, you know sort of the, the youth or right. in my youth but it's um it came it became very popular after then and so when uh, there's a there's a there's a, a, a an outdoor basketball court outside close to where i live and there's also a skate park small skate park and uh, when when i go there play ball um it's usually a time when when the kids are still in school mm-hmm. or so like in the mornings and stuff like that and uh, or sundays early you know right. when the kids are still <laughs> not out to play and teenagers and then it's usually just you know people like around 40s mm-hmm. skating there yeah. You know, so. <laughs> it's, yeah it's still fun to kind of ride around i mean there's a couple of skate mm-hmm. there's one small little skate park about two blocks from our apartment here and mm-hmm. then there's a couple other really good skate parks um in other parts of of the city here in san francisco so um, yeah. yeah i mean you see in a lot of you'll see a lot of pros professional skaters pushing around here in the city there's a really good skateboard shop literally across the street from our apartment called ftc so uh yeah i mean i'm i'm right in the middle of all of it so yeah yeah Cool. And, and when you, when you, okay, so either you started doing quilts, getting back to your art, besides yes. doing, doing quilts and, and working with, uh, with textile and stuff like that. Was it, when, when did you get picked up by, by, by galleries? You know, sort well, of that, I yeah. saw potential in that. So, I mean, the very first art show, like legitimate art show I ever had was like, I don't even know if you want to call it legitimate. It was like at a coffee shop in Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. like in 2001, I think. So, you know, I, And that's when I was still in undergrad, you know, doing my undergrad studies in art. And then that just kind of, you know, led into me getting an internship at an art gallery. And then my first show was at that art gallery that I interned at. That gallery was called Youngblood Gallery. And that was in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. Georgia. Like this, this was like roughly, you know, 18, 19 years ago. And that just kind of segued on and, you know, just kind of baby steps and work your way up as best that you can. Uh, the very first, like my, my first big show that I was like, wow, this is a big deal for me 
was probably uh, in 2011. I got invited to do this show called um, Bay Area Now. And that was here in San Francisco at the Yerba Buena Center for the Arts. And every three, every three years, the uh, Yerba Buena Center for the Arts looks for artists all around the Bay Area, which is like San Francisco, Oakland, Berkeley, et cetera. They look for the best artists every three years, and they give them an exhibition at Yerba Buena Center for the Arts, and they call it Bay Area Now. So it's kind of like a retrospective of, of this area every couple of years. And so I was picked among other, I think, 17 other artists back in 2011 to do an exhibition. And that's the exhibition where I made a 15 foot tall by 13 foot wide quilt. And that kind of like really springboarded my career into like after that exhibition, that exhibition got a lot of press and I started getting more other galleries all around, not just here in California, but galleries all around started to get a little bit more interested in what I was doing. And so that kind of, kind of helped. I mean, you know how things are. It's like, this leads to that, hopefully. And then that leads to this, hopefully. So that it was kind of one of those, one of those things. But it's also, I think it's a, it's a good thing. I mean, when, you know, we have probably a lot of younger and uh, and emerging artists listening to this one. One thing, when you have an exhibition like this and you do a, you should actually, you know, sort of go the extra mile and do a very, very special and unique work. If you have the opportunity, like if you have something that's 15 by 13 mm-hmm. foot, right? that's huge. That's impressive. You know, how long did you work on that piece? That one took me about five months to make. Uh, wow. So, cause when you get, after you get to a certain point in size with, with doing textile based work, you have to figure out how to make, how to piece it together. I mean, it's, it's so yeah. big. It, it, it creates all different types of problems you wouldn't initially think about. It's also probably really heavy. Afterwards <laughs> yeah, it is. Hand, right? Yeah, it actually was kind of heavy too. So, but then you also think about, I have to still sew it. So I had to cram all that fabric through the machine, which is a ginormous pain, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you, yeah. you've, you know, you, you figure it out. So, and you know, it was a little bit of trial and error, but, um, I think that's a, that's a good, a, a good point that you make is that, you know, any, any opportunity that's, that, I, that's given to me, I try to put my, my, I try to give it a hundred and ten percent effort because you never mm-hmm. know who's going to, who's watching and, and where this opportunity can lead and time and time again, that's that's been the case for my, for me especially in my artistic career is like oh this this show might seem like a small little show but but this curator happened to see it because they happened to be in hamburg or they happened to be in berlin or they happened to be in london or they happened to be in in mexico city when they saw it and then they want to give me an exhibition somewhere else you know mm-hmm. so anytime i any opportunity that comes my way that i that i agree to do i try to give it my 110% because ultimately it's my name that's still on, mm-hmm. on that exhibition. Right. And I, I don't want to be, be someone that's known that doesn't, that's either difficult to work with or doesn't do good work. So I always want to be yeah. known as Ben Venom as someone that is very professional, very easy to work with. He's very punctual, 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 and he does yeah. very interesting and, and good work and and i try to keep that in mind always yeah i I like that i think it's a very good attitude i mean it goes both ways of course right um so because i mean the relationship between a gallery and a 
and an artist is always based on trust and mm -hmm. loyalty and all these. And when you say you to kind of being punctual and being easy to work with, mm -hmm. I think that's important. And, um, and there's a, there's a lot of artists who actually, I mean, I think a lot of the artists that, that, that are, uh, pretty well known and that work very professionally they work in that manner you know so no i think you absolutely have to and like you have always been great to work with and it's 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 the little things like responding to emails mm -hmm. like things like that, sure. that that make make the business relationship um and friendship much easier but yeah. uh something i always tell my students because i i teach okay. I, I teach at the san francisco Art institute which where i where i got my master's degree and what i i teach in the graduate program and i what i t always tell my grad students is that you know, in order to be successful as an artist, but also in the world is you need to do two out of three things. And the three things are number one, make good art, which that's obvious. Number mm -hmm. two, be on time. And, mm -hmm. um, number three, be easy to work with. Now, if you can yeah. do two out of those three, you're m much more likely to be successful. So, you know, it's, it's kind of, mm -hmm. it makes sense, right? You know, be easy to work with, totally, make yeah. good art and be on time. So, it's also good that you can pass this on to students and younger people. I like that. Well, I, I stole it from somebody else, so too. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, still, <laughs> now, now basically meant that you have yeah. that you have the opportunity to have a teaching job. I think. Oh, right. That's a, that's a good combination when you're an artist and you can. Actually, yeah, uh, it really pass is. This, this on. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really pay the bills per se, but I teach because I enjoy being in that atmosphere. I enjoy having those conversations, much like the type mm -hmm. of conversation that you and I are having now, and that that kind of keeps me fresh within the art mm -hmm. world because you know students students are very aware especially grad students they're very aware of what's going on trends and etc and who's doing what and it's I, I enjoy having those conversations uh it i try to give them as much information uh, about you know about how things have either worked or not worked for me and and i get they get that from me but i also take a lot from them from their experience yeah. so it's a it's a it's a very give and take kind of relationship um as an instructor and i i've i've done it for a couple of years and i really enjoy enjoy doing that so so what do you teach him specifically i mean so uh, yeah i in craft or I primarily, theory no i primarily just te teach critique so it's just critique oh, okay. so we basically uh they show their artwork and then we talk mm -hmm. about it as a group or as individuals one-on-one. -on -one. So I do both. Mm -hmm. I do group critique classes and I do one-on-one -on -one critiques. All right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. I like it, but I've also, I have taught some technical classes, mm -hmm. uh, like different skills and whatnot, but I, I enjoy the critique classes the most. Is there, I think there's, and I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't know about the history of it all, but I think in recent years there's been a lot of artists that actually used uh, fabrics in, as their as their I don't know as a medium. You know, I mean that that you that you are aware of if you follow the, the art market. I mean, uh, do you have any contact with uh, with with other people who work with textile? I mean, like I don't know. Yeah, a little bit. Like I do know that there's a couple of other male quilters. Like I've had a show that was just all male quilters that was put together by the, the Los Angeles craft museum and that, yeah. and that exhibition traveled to two other museums. That was a few years ago. Um, there's, I, I don't really, I don't have contact too much with, with those guys, sure. but I do have contact with other artists that are doing textile based work like Aaron Riley. She's based. Yeah. In, that's what I want to. Yeah. She's great. You know, she's based yeah. in New York. Um, she's doing extremely mm -hmm. well. 
she shows with like PPOW Gallery in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's see who else. Um, that's the big one. Uh, a good friend, another good friend, uh, Aaron Riley is a good friend. Another good friend is Lucian Shapiro. He just opened a, mm-hmm. a, a solo exhibition in Mexico City at Maya. At Maya, I, I saw the pictures. Yeah, yeah, uh, you shared some pictures on your yeah, Facebook account. Yeah, 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 phenomenal exhibition. Yeah, at Maya Contemporary. <laughs> now he does. He'll he'll do some textile base work, but he also does a lot mm-hmm. of sculpture and, mm-hmm. and other things too. Um, and Aaron Riley does a lot of like weaving primarily. Uh, let's yeah, see probably, who else yeah. there's. Uh, Hank Willis Thomas, Sanford Biggers. Uh, let's I'm trying to. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. It, it is still pretty pretty early in the morning here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you have your coffee. I've had my yeah, coffee. Yeah. I could always use All more. Right. Uh, yeah, that's a couple of good ones. Uh, so yeah, and I'm yeah. trying to think of if I missed any. But a lot of the other artists I look at for myself are more. They I, I look a lot of. I look at a lot of painters for inspiration, mm-hmm. but. Um, but yeah, I do kind of, I do look at, for me, I look at a lot of older like quilt books and textile books, like stuff that's from like centuries ago for inspiration. So, but I, I do have some contact with other people that are doing textile, textile based work. So yes. Yeah. But also, yeah, I think your, your, your influence is not necessarily traditional. I mean, not from the content wise, Correct. The, the traditional, it's pretty well modern. Right. Know? I mean, right. Uh, Correct. So, uh, so, so getting back to the the heavy metal mm-hmm. kill thing, which I think is is a very nice uh, description. You've been in, or you still are into heavy metal a lot. So, are, you, are there any bands that are influential also or important for your art? I mean, we had a work here, Slayer. Yeah, Slayer with the Slayer shirt, and did right. you worked on and yeah. Yeah, it's bands that are influential for my artwork. I would say like like. Macedon, High on Fire. High on Fire just won a Grammy, which is that was pretty amazing. And they're based, they're from out here. They're over in Oakland, which is not that's just across the Bay Bridge from San Francisco. Macedon are from Atlanta, Georgia, which where which is originally where I'm from. See, uh, Slayer, obviously Iron Maiden, Black Sabbath, uh, Black Cobra. They're from here in San Francisco. Uh, Saviors, uh, all these kind of bands. Uh, Death Cheetah. That's my that's my friend's band, Walkin, uh, High Tower, and <laughs> yeah. So some of those were local, also, but and Kylesa is another one. And these bands, a lot of these bands will will send me T-shirts to use mm-hmm. in my artwork. And so again, this idea of the see that that would have been my next question. Yeah, <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. No, okay, that's good. Yeah, so it's, it's not. I don't have. Yeah, it's so that kind of ties back into the community aspect of it. So all these bands that I listen to, they will actually send me t-shirts like the band Valiant Thor. They've sent me, they've sent me a bunch of t-shirts. Kylesa mm-hmm. sent me t-shirts, uh, you know, and, and it's cool. Yeah. Cause then I am able to use those black Cobra sent t-shirts. So, and yeah, it's great. Yeah. So, um, but you're not just, you know, sort of, uh, you're not just making, I don't know, full artworks and stuff like that. I've also seen the part of your, uh, yeah, I don't know, not business, but part of your trade is also mm-hmm. to make, um, to make objects and, and, right. and, and fashion items that people actually really wear mm-hmm. vests, exactly. uh, uh, and stuff with your work. How did it come to that? So another big, 
concept that runs throughout all the the work that I do is this idea of art and functionality. I have a very strong interest in uh, making artwork that is that can serve a, a real purpose in the world that can go beyond just a piece of art that's hanging in a museum or on a gallery wall in so much yeah. that you're able to take it off the wall and wear it and use it. And that's really important to me. Uh, I kind of fit like many, many, many years ago, I kind of fit like a, a crisis of conscience and in, in, in relation to my art making practice where I didn't want to just do a pretty picture that hung on the wall. Not that mm-hmm. there's anything wrong with that. This is just me speaking personally. I wanted to do something that kind of could go beyond that. And that's that's one of the things that ultimately led me to working with within the textile medium. So nowadays, with the work that I do, if you don't like what you see, that's okay. It, you can still use it. You can wear it. It's a jacket. You can wear it as a jacket. You can use it as a pillow. It's a quilt. You can, it will keep you warm at night, etc. And that's really mm-hmm. important to me. So the work has a whole other dimension to it. Uh, other than just being a, f- a piece of fine art, it's now also functional, i.e., wearable. You know, possibly high fashion, low fashion, etc. And more recent, it's actually one. Yes, it's actually one really wearing those things. Oh, absolutely. Don't you think? Believe it's so precious to. Oh no, absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, and I encourage that. Uh, sure. So you know, obviously, the bigger quilts cost. You know, they're hot, priced a little bit higher than some mm-hmm. of the smaller jackets. But um, some of the jackets I recently made that were at the Fort Wayne Museum in Indiana, those jackets were a little bit more expensive because those were a collaboration with the with the guys in Los Angeles. They go by Truth Never Told. They are chain stitchers in Los Angeles, and we've started to collaborate on these on these jackets that we make from completely from scratch. So they're made much like you would make a suit. So there's a lot of work that goes into them. So those those are a little bit more expensive, just because they're, they're they take a lot a lot longer to make, and they're made from uh, extremely expensive, you know, silk or or different other types of fabrics on top of using a lot of re- recycled materials mixed in. So, <clears throat> but those are totally meant to be worn. And then some of the other jackets that are like you know I'll, I'll I'll purchase like a Levi's jacket, and then I'll I'll sew stuff onto that. And those jackets, I'll, I do a lot of those for commissions, and those aren't priced very high. They're still a little expensive, but they're not super expensive, and they're meant to be worn uh, because that's another way to get my work out there is I really enjoy seeing my work out in the world. I, I obviously enjoy seeing my work at a museum. That's one of my big goals in my artistic career is to have my work collected by museums which has started to happen in recent years, but also seeing people wearing it out in public which is why I do those like the kind of like the skull mustache patch. I, I do a lot of those and people will sew those onto their jackets. And now they're wearing a, like one of my designs uh, and other people will see that. Oh, is that a Ben Venom patch? Yes, it is. Uh, you know, and that, that to me is really interesting. Yeah. So yet another kind of dimension to the work. Yeah, they're pretty cool. You know? Thanks. So I'll it's say, very special. I'll send yeah. you one. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. 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 Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks, man. So, you know, you just mentioned it again, you know, sort of like I keep forgetting uh, to ask, I think, one important question. We've been at, on the topic of, of big, great names. I think Ben Venom is a very oh, good name. Where, where, when did that keep, appear? When did it come up? So I grew up in the Atlanta, in the Atlanta punk rock scene of the 90s. Uh, a lot of my friends had nicknames uh, like Ice shirts kt express whack um were some darkness were some of the nicknames and i became ben venom uh mainly because i had a short temper 
And it also kind of came out of having, you know how nicknames come about. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, really yeah. Of their, like dumb conversations about wanting to get like a really stupid snake tattoo or something, which I never did. But, and then it just kind of was a good nickname that other people kind of picked up on. You know, it wasn't something that I came up with. It was something that they came up with and, you know, they, it just sticks. And uh, so I became known as Ben Venom. My real last name is Baumgartner. So uh, a little little yeah, German there. That sounds very German, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, so, and of course, in America, you know, Americans can't really spell anything that's German very well. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, Ben Baumgartner was hard to spell, and so yeah, also pronunciation is different. Correct, different, right? right. Yeah. You know, so Ben Venom was much easier when I started to to show my artwork. Uh, but I've been, I've known, I've been known as Ben Venom since my teenage years. Like everyone knows me as Ben Venom. Uh, yeah, a lot. And then you've been, you've been lucky with Ben Venom because you know, not every nickname you get when you're a teenager is it's one a, that you want to keep. Uh, it's a good one. I got super yeah. lucky with that. It's much better than like Ben waterproof or, or something stupid, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I, was, I had a stupid nickname oh, as well, did? so I can't oh, use that. Sorry. Anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I'm a bit jealous actually. Ben Venom. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah and uh, it also, I mean, it ties into everything. Yeah. Yeah. Do, it I does. Think, uh, it's, with the work, it fits really well, fu- even though you couldn't know that at that time. It's know? funny so. how things come around. I mean, you, you, I'm sure you're aware of this. It's as we get older and as you meet other people from other countries and you actually have a lot in common, but it's also that these things kind of come back around and it's like, Oh, that's these things just kind of fall into place. And that was just one of those little things that kind of worked out for me in my earlier on in my life. And now being 41, people still know me as Ben Venom, you know, almost 30 years later. So it's good. Age. It's not that old, you know, I think 40 year olds always tend to make themselves older than yeah, I think yeah. I did that I, when I was 40. You know? I feel, I feel old, but whatever. <laughs> Screw yeah. it. Well, still skateboarding, man. Yeah. You're doing, you know, so very, you know, progressive artwork still, you know, I mean, I try. and I think, I mean, your, your career is at a, I think it's a, it's at a, it's at a good point. I think when you, when you talk to, to, to younger artists or emerging artists, everybody asks themselves, how do I get to a point where people actually recognize me or galleries actually invite me? I mean, it doesn't matter how long you do this. I think it's, uh, you can always be lucky when there was the, 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 the point in time when, when you were at the right place at the right time and people picked you up, you know, no, that's, I think that's these correct. days, yeah, I agree. I think these days, yeah, these days a lot of people, you know, so of course the internet is, uh, has a different meaning. Mm-hmm. And when you started, like, I think in 2007, right. when you were in Nora Titan, you, um, in Berlin, there was uh, there was still a different kind of promotion for the exhibition mm-hmm. uh, than it would have, would be today. So I think people also get a little bit um, impatient, you know. Sort of when do I reach the ten thousand followers? So that <laughs> right. I can, I mean, yeah, you know. So that's and that's true. but it's I mean it's, it's a valid question these days, you know. I mean yeah. online is uh, is very important, mm-hmm. and and I'm and I'm pretty sure that uh, that you're also you know making sales or at least contacts uh, through your through your internet. Uh, Absolutely, the channels, and and that know. kind of brings up another good point. Kind of what we touched on earlier is, is that all of my social media accounts, I try to be as professional as possible with those. Mm-hmm. Just like kind of what I was saying earlier about making good art, being yeah. on time, and being easy to work with. It's also, you know, you could go one more, and as as far as you know, having like an online presence, have a very professional online presence. Yeah, it's very important. You know, people, it's it's I, I still get amazed about people 
that I don't know who saw something that I posted or something that someone else reposted of mine. Everyone is looking at everybody else all the time. And, and yeah. the sooner you realize that, the better. So keep that in, the, you know, for people that are listening to this, this interview, that are maybe just starting out, I would always, I would recommend to you is like, keep that in mind. Like, so, you know, maybe don't post so many pictures of your cat, you know, on your, on your <laughs> art Instagram, you know, just yeah. things of that nature. So, you know, keep in mind, just be aware that everyone is literally looking at your stuff, everybody all the time. Yeah, that's true. But it's it's also it's I think behaviors are changing a little bit. I um I recently had a uh, I had a, a, a podcast with uh, with um, David Schillinglaw. Uh, you probably know him as well. He's been in a couple of our shows. He's a pretty well known artist from from England uh, that I that I really like. And we've we've done a couple of exhibitions together a few years ago. Um, and uh, and he was here in Hamburg, and we talked about the uh, the podcast, and and then the, when we when we basically left off, we were just like, okay, let's like you know sort of uh, promote this mm -hmm. online so people get to know of this. I mean, Helium Talk is a year old, but you know, so sort of still could get a little bit more reach. And also, David wants to be heard and what he says, you know. So and 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 we figured out that sharing is not as common as it was a few years ago especially artists are keeping trying to keep their profiles clean with mostly their own work um it's i mean i'm i'm used to promote other artists on my artist platform as well on any platform i actually do because that is part of my you know part of the one job that i have is to promote every artist that i kind of like and that i want to support or that i'm exhibiting but among artists it has it has declined that you just like willingly share uh, the work of other people, um, and I think there's a there's a there's a different diff um, there's a different approach these days. To everybody's a little bit scared to give a little bit away from that mm -hmm. valuable currency that you have that is likes and followers. Yeah, know? that's and, that's that, that's an interesting point that you make, and yeah, I, I agree. My my kind of I kind of my kind of take on it is that I you know I I try to share as many other artists as I can on, on my social media accounts, because mm -hmm. these are people that I want to support also. And they also support me. It's a give and a take. Sure. And I think the sooner that people understand that, the better for their, for themselves. It's like, it's not always about you all the time. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's about all of us. This is a community and we're here to help each other. And so like, for example, you know, I, I had a solo show in Mexico city that opened this past week. And so did Lucian Shapiro and, And we were both sharing each other's images of each other's artwork this whole past week because we were both down in Mexico City. And, you know, he, he, people will see my work on his accounts and then they'll come follow me. They'll see him on my accounts, social media accounts, and they'll go follow him. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really what it's about. And yeah. I, I think that's extremely important to build this kind of like community um, as artists, yeah. much like you and I talking here today. It's like no different than that. Yeah, I think it also makes a little, I don't know, your, your, your account a bit more interesting when you kind of mix it with, uh, also, of course, a little bit of your personal life. I mean, right. I, I keep my little kid away from everything, but recently <laughs> right. I've, I've kind of opened up a little bit yeah. to, to, you know, sort of be more personal, but also, you know, sort of, it also makes your account interesting mm -hmm. when you, when you have other artists, uh, presented there and people know more about your, also about your, preferences preferences maybe because they want to have a have a have a look in behind the door a little bit and i right. just looking up your instagram account while we talk mm -hmm. and uh, you have like 39,000 uh followers mm -hmm. which is 
gigantic. I think there's not many Germans, German artists that actually mm-hmm. are able to reach that uh, because it's a, it's a different, you know, so we deal with this differently, right. you know, sort of, I think in a way. And also Germany started a lot later mm-hmm. uh, in the whole Instagram bandwagon. So it's, of course, it's more people out there and more difficult to get their attention. But you know, it's uh, it's it's always a question with artists. Where how do I, how do I promote myself? Mm-hmm. There's only, I mean, there's of course more galleries than there were years ago too. But uh, a lot of them are just there for a little bit of time. That's and right. A lot of them have a have a huge fluctuation mm-hmm. of. So there's not many galleries actually that um, that work with. You know, so they're really programmatic. Mm-hmm. Like they work with artists over several years, um, and and keep the amount of artists they work with uh, in, in a number that they can actually work with. Right, you know? right. I mean, and because I mean, that's, it's yeah. it is hard, and you you make a very good point there. It's like there are a lot. Maybe there are a lot more. There probably definitely are more galleries these days, but the ones that that are able to to last more than like three to five years, I think is 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 probably the same amount of galleries that were able to last three to five years many years ago if that makes sense you know mm-hmm. it's still kind of around that it's like either you're gonna make it or you're not so there is a lot of here here today gone tomorrow so you have to be careful about you know you have to keep kind of keep that in mind uh and i think that's a very good point but yeah i mean yeah and, and then uh, one other thing real quick is like kind of what you said it's about sharing like people like people do like to see a little bit of the personal so you know the other artists that I share on my accounts are like, Oh, Ben must, he must, those are people that I'm interested in. That's, and that could be of interest to people that follow me. What, what am I interested in? What are you interested in? You know, what, who does, who is helium cowboy looking at for the future? You know? And I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. I'll go check them out. Cause I didn't, I didn't know of this artist or that artist, but helium cowboy posted it on their accounts. And that, that's very interesting. And now I'm going to start following them myself, you know, which I have mm-hmm. done. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it. I mean, it just it takes up a lot of your of your of your of your time, and um, uh, but it's uh, well, it's just part of your. Well, I don't call art, you know, sort of being a, a job, but it's right. it's uh, yeah. it's uh, yeah. Well, because it's very it's very difficult to put in yeah in perspective in, when you have a normal job because there are different expectancies <coughs> when you have a, when you have a job that you work in. Right. I think art is. Uh, I mean, you know, sort of like it's. Um, it's a vocation or it's, you know, sort of, you are, you are either working as an artist, you are want to be an artist and then you just, you just do it. And there's, you know, sort of it's not necessarily a rule book or mm-hmm. a guidebook for, you know, sort of uh, how to be an artist. But um, yeah, if you want to, if you want to get around and uh, then, then you have to have to do a lot of uh, web and social media, uh, uh, you know, sort of basically, I know a couple of artists who actually really go that by, being very disciplined and just you know so probably the first thing in the morning over coffee they do all get all the shit out of the way <laughs> <laughs> right. and then and then it's done for the day you know so and that uh, but somehow you have to kind of fit it in your in your schedule i mean when 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 you wake up as ben baumgartner <laughs> pronounce it in german correctly <laughs> yeah um and then and then you then you take care of your of your little family and then uh, and then then you get into the uh to the, to the studio and become ben venom yeah basically. you know um then yeah what's 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 the time you spend on 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 the internet and social media god these days i try to spend a little bit less just because i want to actually live my life you know i don't want to be on mm-hmm. my phone all the time or like on my laptop but, um, it is, you know, you try to do a healthy balance, uh, but 
you know, I do a lot of my design work on my laptop. So mm-hmm. I am, I am on my laptop a fair amount, but more so in the last like year, year or two, I try to like not always be on my phone just cause I want to experience the world. And especially now having uh, an eight month old daughter, I, I want to like, I want to interact with her and not me and not interact with her via my phone, you know? So it's a really weird dynamic that we're living in these days. But, um, I do, I do, I am, you know, active on Instagram, Facebook, uh, you know, I have a website and all that. So I, I, I do try to keep that up as best that I can. I mean, you can always, you can always do more, but you know, at some point I just want to like be left alone and work in the studio you know <laughs> yeah but it's it's i think it's very hard to 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 it's more it's, i think it's hard to achieve then you know i mean if if you ask me for my happy place then it's definitely i mean it's my, my, in my in my work life right. uh, then it's definitely my studio mm-hmm. and it's the time that i can actually spend creating artwork but there's so much else around it that um that you have to you know so have to retreat and get yourself out of the whole cycle because you can't you can't go anywhere basically without getting information and then delivering information and those things. And I think it's very important for artists as well that they find it's basically important for, for everyone's sanity to find these places where you don't, when you, when where you're offline, you know, sort of like we do detox from all these things and not use your phone and probably buy a, a watch again that you can have a normal alarm and not always your phone next to your bed and <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody has to find their own, their own spaces, you know, their own islands, I think, because it gets more and more important. I'm, um, I'm sometimes really, you know, sort of, uh, frustrated with this. Um, uh, and, uh, and I, just like a couple of weeks ago, I said, okay, fuck this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to embrace this now for a certain time and see how this works. So I, I, I think I heard your daughter. Um, the back, oh, yeah. Sorry, right? she's... Yeah, yeah. Nice. that's okay. No, no, no. There's no apologies for for, for <laughs> crying kids. I mean, they they don't do that on purpose. <laughs> so anyway, but that's like... <clears throat> well, maybe they do. Um, <laughs> that's like... Uh, 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 see, see, now I'm, uh, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, sorry. Um, but yeah, no, that's okay. That's fine. Um no, but I mean, that's, it's like for me, yeah, what I was saying, I was, you know, sort of taking it on. And now I'm for some time now, for a few weeks or so, I'm actually doing a lot more in regards to social media mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and using the stories and all these things and also revealing a little bit more of my, my, my private and personal life right. to see whether that works, you know, and see whether I can, can reach more people. I've, found out that this podcast is actually reaching people not as many as an Instagram account or this really quick super fix information but people who listen to podcasts they really take their time and so there's um what I wanted to bring into this into the discussion with these podcasts is that we talk more mm-hmm. you know no I think that's and, I think you're doing whatever everything that you're doing now is exactly the right thing to do is you, you, but through the podcast, you're able to interview people and, and uh, people want to hear other people's voices and, and opinions on things. And, and cause I listen to a ton of podcasts myself. Mm-hmm. So, and there is one of the many reasons why is I want to hear such and such as opinion or what they're interested in, who are they influenced by, et cetera. And that mm-hmm. just connects me to them and in a way that I wasn't able to be connected to them prior. And so, and then more so 
to the point of of you kind of showing a little bit more of your personal life people absolutely want to see what you're what what you're up to you know on a daily basis like what is what is your life like on a daily basis versus what my life is like on a daily basis and i think and you know instagram and facebook and podcast podcasts and kind of allow allow for that to happen in a in a somewhat easier way than than mm-hmm. before and it's just another from you know from my standpoint it's just another tool that we have to express ourselves and, and why not embrace it as, as much as possible as long as you don't yeah. as long as it's not something that completely overtakes your life right I think a little bit it replaces also these long telephone calls mm-hmm. that we made before the internet, basically a long time ago. When we, you know, so it feels like when you were actually, if I, you know, so like if I've in two thousand four, I've exhibited a Romanian artist. And she lived in Romania. I just saw some of her work on her website. It was kind of, you know, so there was something that really interested me in her work. Um, also, the gallery was pretty new and I was interested in her field, which was performance art, because uh, I, you know, so I just wanted to understand a lot more. Um, and it took us very, very long emails and long telephone conversations mm-hmm. for probably a couple of months before I made the decision to say, okay, now I want you to, sh- I want you to come to Hamburg, you know, which was also a little bit more of an adventure getting her works over. She was just painting like this huge canvases mm-hmm. and they came in a, in a trailer on a bus, you know, there was a bus with a trailer behind and that's where her artworks were in there. And I picked them up, uh, with a van at the, at the bus stop. That's crazy. The large central bus station. And then she came with, with the train, you know, and I picked her up coming with the train. And that was the first time we met, but we've already spoken for hours. Mm-hmm. Without, you know, so, I mean, we had photos of the other, you know, we just knew how they looked mm-hmm. like, basically, or she looked like, uh, but we've never spoken in a video chat or seen anything online. Uh, she was also not very known at that time. And that was, that was very interesting. And I think, you know, what I'm with these, with these talks, with podcasts, you get people to understand a lot more about your work as an artist as well, because you can... Yeah, well, you can talk about it, and and that sometimes not everyone can do that, of course, but that sometimes just needed, you know. Well, I th- not an, as an explanation or an interpretation, but just basically where you come from, why you're doing these things, what's your influence. But uh, but also, I would say through these podcasts and conversations like this, these interviews, you the audience can really hear the personality of the person that you're interviewing, or and or the interviewer, like so you and me. So it's like our two mm-hmm. personalities come out through our you know, hour long discussion. And that's something that if, and when, and hopefully we do meet in person sooner than later, like we already kind of have a little bit of a rapport because we've had, you know, we've emailed a bunch and now we've, we've spoken to each other. We've heard each other's voices and there's just, that's more of a connection now. Uh, and I think that's really interesting. Yeah. I think that's really interesting, especially since it's, I'm here in San Francisco at nine o'clock in the morning and you're in Hamburg and what is it? I think you're what, is it like, late afternoon early evening oh, it's six it's six o'clock in the Ugh, yeah <laughs> yeah time time for a beer time for coffee for me <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's when i when i when i speak with jonathan it's always like he just you know just waking up mm-hmm. still and with coffee and i i allow myself to be <laughs> um so yeah we're in we're in, in, in different moments also i'm already a little bit tired from the day or totally energized from right. the day and you know so but but i think it's um it's good that we're that we're actually able able to do that you know um yeah is there is there anything we we should talk about 
more? Is there anything that I've left out? I mean, there's definitely a lot of things I've left out. I will definitely also include in the in the show notes like links um, okay. to to quilting and uh, and here the the, the, the kills of uh, of the G's band oh, um, because I read up on that. Oh, I think did. it's oh, very cool. interesting. Also, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that in an interview with you. So you're pretty, you know, you're pretty good to to Google on the internet. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of lot of background and. Oh, thanks. Um, and also, you had you had the you had when you had simply good people that ask you probably the right questions. I think some of these interviews are right. better than others. You know. Oh yeah, one question yeah. I still had. You know, sort of, you were in Mexico and you were showing with which gallery? We forget to mention. That. It's well, it was uh, Helion Gallery, which is uh, based in Portland, Oregon. So yeah. he Helion Gallery helped organize it and curate it. But it was the spot. The, the spot in Mexico City was called pantheon gallery okay. it's over in the like uh historical district centro centro of mexico city mexico city is ginormous but uh so it was helion gallery with pantheon gallery in mexico city okay yeah, cool. And then one other question yes. that I had uh, forgot um, while I was rambling on. Um, <laughs> you mentioned that you like to listen to podcasts. Yes. Any recommendations? Gosh, uh, these days I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. So as I'm sewing, okay. it's they're talking about like murder yeah. and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. let, me, let me go through a couple. Um, true Crime Garage, uh, Up and Vanished, uh, Monster, uh, This American Life, Serial. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those last ones are now. The yeah. dropout, that's a newer one. Uh, a- APM Marketplace, uh, WYNCA Radio wow. Lab, and uh, it's good for you that it takes so much time. You know, your work. I mean, <laughs> right? Well, you know, my my <laughs> wife bought me some wireless headphones like two years ago for okay. Christmas, and they're awesome yeah. because I can listen to everything clearly and so yeah. use the sewing machine at the same time. So, oh, yeah, that's so good. that works yeah. out well. Let's see it. Any good art art podcasts? I tried to listen to a couple, but you know, there is one like hype yeah, hype hype beast does one that that's okay. Juxtapose Evan mm-hmm. just started doing one. I listened to a couple episodes okay. of that. Uh, yours, thanks. Let's see who else? There what? There was a guy down in San Diego that was doing one, but he, I don't. I think he stopped doing it. All right. Well. Ben, um, thanks for thanks for doing this um, uh, at this early hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you very much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. You've always been great to work with. It's a, a very big honor for me to be on your podcast, uh, and I, I look forward to working with you in the future. And I hope to come over to to Hamburg soon. Um, yeah, for you know, sure. Like my wife and I love yeah. to go to Germany. We'll be over and we'll yeah. be in Europe. This June, I have a big solo exhibition really? in Birmingham, England, that opens June fifteenth. So, okay. this summer we'll be over in Europe. We we we're talking about maybe going to Germany. So I'll, I will certainly let you know. But um, yeah, do that. But I, I hope to work with you and your gallery again in the in the near future. And uh, again, thank you very much for having me on your podcast. I I greatly appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thanks. Alien Talk.